Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is a driven financial industry founder, practitioner, instructor, researcher, author, coach, leader, mom, and grandmother. And yes, you can be sure she has passed on her fiscal savviness to the next generation. Her wall is crowded with degrees and certifications. She's a certified financial planner, has not one but two master's degree in business and finance, along with two more advanced financial planning designations, all of which she's leveraged during her three plus decades of financial service industry. Her passion throughout her career has been to raise women up in the financial industry, both as professional and as customers. Her current gig as founder, executive director, and president of MoneyWeave Academy, a not-for-profit focused on helping women improve their financial security, blends her profession and passion in equal parts. She's the only endowed professorship in the nation dedicated exclusively to the study of women and money at the American College, which is so needed to be spread out so much more, and we got to figure out a way to do more of that. Um, and while at the college, she founded the thriving and unique Center for Women in Financial Services. Today's guest has dedicated her career to bringing equality and equity to women in the financial realm. She's held leadership roles in major financial services firms, three financial planning practices across the country, and has taught college-level classes. Her conviction for helping women was further strengthened in her service as president, treasurer, and past president of the National Association of Women's Business Owners in Minnesota. A published author in too many big name outlets to name, she has also been duly heralded and honored throughout her career. Through it all, her greatest joys continue to be helping others, her family, good friends, learning, and pursuing health. Welcome, Mary Quist Newins. Thank you, Kathy. Wow. Uh, thanks for the lovely introduction. It's great to be here. We connected over your not-for-profit, which we are going to dig into a little bit more. That was really the highlight, highlight reel. I could have gone on and on, but you know, we want to keep this to a relatively short, short <laughs> conversation. So maybe you can tell our audience just a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Well, I am thrilled to be here and you know it's uh, over I'm 70 years old so <laughs> everybody out there who is uh, aspiring to uh, grow old older with grace uh, boy I hope I can give you some hope because it just gets better and um, that just means I've had a lot of experiences I've lived in uh, four different countries and 11 different states uh, I like to say just one step ahead of the law and okay. <laughs> and that has just really endowed me with different perspectives. I'm so glad I've had that experience because uh, I found that I can get out of my comfort zone pretty easily. And um, I really, over that time, I've lived in developing nations uh, in the Middle East and the, in the Far East where women were really not even second-class citizens would be generous to say were, were less than human. And uh, that has inspired my journey the entire time. Uh, of my career. So it's great to be here to talk about that. Wow. Okay. So now we have the root of the story, which is very interesting. So we're going to dig into that a little bit uh, later, but as my audience knows, I always ask my my guests the same four questions. So we'll get into that if you are ready to go. Sure. I'm ready to go. Let's do it. Excellent. All right. So what was the first career you remember wanting to be, or first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up? Uh, well, uh, the first career that I remember wanting to do was to become a ballerina. And, you know, the 
beautiful dancing ballerina on the, on the stage endowed with grace and poise and i grew to be pretty tall so i'm six foot tall and i my mother took me to ballerina ballet lessons and my instructor pretty quickly said she has no hope to be a ballerina so anyway it was quickly dashed but uh, i found other things to keep me occupied but that was the first thing i can remember it's a natural segue from ballerina to financial, you know, guru. So, yeah, of course. It's so logical. <laughs> Who was the first big influencer you remember in your life? Well, I have to say my mother. Uh, you know, my mother was 40 years older than I. And so she grew up uh, during the Great Depression. She was a preacher's kid. Uh, and she was also a genius she's tested as a, a genius uh at genius level during the second world war when a lot of women were doing iq tests and, and while the boys were overseas right and um and so uh, she was brilliant she was also a trained concert pianist and when i came along I was the fifth of five kids and uh, by the time I came home, she was a stay-at-home mom, and she was so brilliant and loving, um, and uh, very spiritual. And that was those were things that really guided me. But I also realized, uh, you know, I'd come home from school oftentimes, and she'd be crying. Uh, and if anyone's ever read, uh, you know, Germaine Greer and some of the early feminist literature about the lace curtain prisons um you know the women in that generation brilliant women you know the, after the second world war were kind of imprisoned in their houses and and my mother really um they my dad lived we, my mom and dad lived overseas quite a bit and you know didn't have the opportunity to gain fast friends and so by the time we were uh, out of the house she really didn't have anything um she had no really no friends and you know was she spent her life raising her kids and you know, she really struggled with depression, and I was convinced and convicted that that was not going to happen to me. Um, so I love my mother. Um, I am so glad for her legacy and just wish she would have had a happier life because I think all of that talent um, was not utilized to its full potential. So that, to me, is a tragedy. It absolutely is, and it's interesting. I'd never heard that term. What was it, lace curtain it's curtain prisons, and prisons. I think that was Jermaine Greer, right, um, who wrote the Feminine Mystique. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, oh, no, I know that one. Um, and it's and you would have been brought up in a in a time where you know we didn't talk about mental illness and we didn't talk about depression and and the struggles and you know what women were going through. So for you to have recognized that and really obviously has made such an impact on your life, uh, she would be very proud of you. Uh, and the work well, that you have done. I hope so. I mean, we have a we have a difficult balance between um, working outside the home and working inside the home, as working mothers um, can attest. And women, at, you know, working mothers, whether inside the home or outside the home, oftentimes we feel like you know uh, we're dissatisfied with the path that we've chosen because it's really impossible in a lot of ways. They're conflicting. There's a tension between the two. Absolutely. So. Is there a song that epitomizes your career path or something that you're a song that you're associating with right now? Well, you know, I am a product of the 70s. Right? So 
when I thought about this question, it's like, okay, well, I think it's Donna Summers. She works hard for the money <laughs> because I, I really feel that women oftentimes have to work twice as hard as their male counterparts to, to get equal footing. And so I've always worked really hard, uh, whether it's in the house or outside of the house. Uh, and so, you know, wanting to be having a high achievement uh, aspiration, that uh, has meant some pretty hard work along the lines. And, you know, and uh, both that's also both a blessing and a curse, right? So, um, yeah, she works hard for the money. That is an excellent one. We haven't had that one yet. So that's, that's great. It's always good <laughs> to have a new one. Now, the last of the four, what are three words you'd use to describe yourself and or your career? Well, I'd, I'd say the three words that I choose that come up to mind the most quickly are curious, uh, passionate, and driven. Um, so, you know, I just have, I, I, I love to learn. I, and, you know, I got my second master's when I was 60. And uh, I am always researching and, and loving to dig in and learn more. And so the internet has been such a gift for me. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I chose uh, you know, financial planning as a career, but we'll talk about that in a little while because you'll just never know it all. And you have to be okay with that. Um, and it's just a journey to learn more and more. And there's a lot of joy in that for me. So I, I feel I'm curious. Um, I'm passionate. And as, and as we talked, I'm, I'm particularly passionate about helping women uh, because I've just seen the tragedy of women with unfulfilled promise. And I'm a spiritual person, and I don't believe that's what our higher power wants for us in our life. I think that we are to live to our full potential and to continue to try to realize that. And so um, helping women is really a passion of mine. And uh, then driven, you know, whether I like it or not, you know, I I can't give up. I don't ever see myself retiring, uh, you know, sitting back and just chilling, uh, you know, for for better or for worse. Uh, I am driven to um, learn more, to do more, to help, you know, fulfill my curiosity and my passion. And uh, so, um, that often sometimes means a little higher anxiety, and I think my doctor might think is good for me. But you know, what's the alternative? You know, I, I, I'm not just going to be like sitting on a, a lounge chair somewhere, you know, chilling all the time. Exactly. I do do that, though. By the way, I'm pretty good at getting. Yeah, I was going to say that's important to do periodically. You know, just if nothing else, to sort through all of the things that are in the head, right? So you're not actually doing, you do, you spend the time on the beach sorting. And so that you jump in back in earnest is the second that you land. But um, oh, yeah. yes, I, can I meditate every day. I mean, that does help. Oh, I, good the for you. first thing in the morning, I meditate. So, and, and I'd say for, I, I learned that later in life for anyone who's out there who's struggling with all the pieces that we have to juggle. Yeah, take 10 minutes to meditate in the morning. It makes such a difference. So anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll, I will gather your recommendation for those of us who would really like to start and have just failed epically at actually becoming a practice. <laughs> so I will include that in the show notes. It's a practice. That's right. That's why it's called a practice. You have to practice. Exactly. So what's your career journey been, look, been like? So how do you go from study, studying Scandinavian studies and journalism at university, starting your career in marketing, and then becoming a decorated financial industry leader and entrepreneur and leader in women's fiscal advocacy. That, those are not linear. Oh, <laughs> it's just that zigzag. So, you know, when I went to college in the 70s, you know, the chief ambition for most of us was the MRS degree. 
It really was, you know, and and I look back at um, some of the vil- films that were made back in the 70s, and it's astonishing. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we accepted that kind of behavior and language. But yeah, anyway, that was my my goal is just basically to get a degree, and I just loved Scandinavian studies, so it's like, why not get that? Even though it's a completely impractical degree, so I graduated from college and um, in Seattle uh, when the billboard on the outside of town said for the last person to leave Seattle, please turn off the lights. So there was a big recession going on in Seattle. And with a college degree, I could have been a secretary uh, or a waitress. And I chose, I'm not going to work. I'm going to earn more money and I'm going to become a waitress. So my first job was as a waitress. And then uh, I was uh, recruited actually out of uh, a restaurant that I was serving tables on to become a, um, and this is uh, maybe, I don't know if it was on my bio, but I was the first woman out of 250 salespeople for Union Carbide Corporations, and I sold Everetti batteries and lighting products. And I I uh, really learned that, oh, you know, I do have a head for math. I do have a head for um, business, and I like this. So I, that kind of started my my business trajectory and I uh, got my master's in, in, in international business um, and after grad school I went into uh, was recruited to go work for Cheeseboro Ponds which is now part of Unilever in Greenwich Connecticut and I did package goods marketing for about 10 years and then um, I was working for a large the largest winery in the world actually in California I won't say the name and um, boy, I, I just uh, had three years of that. I uh, had a breast biopsy at the end of near that three-year period. And I thought, you know, something's this, I, I've got to do something more meaningful. And that led me to uh, financial services. I, I left that job uh, without another. And there weren't many things I could do in that particular town other than become a financial advisor. And I just absolutely fell in love with becoming and doing financial planning and becoming a financial planner uh, because it is a role it's wonderful for women um, because you can use your heart and your head and women and men need to be nurtured financially because we're not taught this and that really began um, my career in financial services I, I found that working with people I could make a direct influence and improvement in their life and that was so fulfilling and at the same time my curiosity and my passion and my drivenness uh, um, all those three words were combined in this career so I loved being a financial planner and uh, you know and then I was hired from uh, the field to go be a corporate leader for Amer- now what is now Ameriprise it was American Express back then and, you know, I did that. We moved to Minneapolis and it was better for the family. Um, so we moved here. And anyway, I just uh, I had another practice then, was moved out to Maryland uh, with Thrivent and then became the professor for women's studies at the American College. And then we moved back to Minnesota. So it's kind of the zigzaggedy career. Um, but through it all, um, I think that those three characteristics of being curious, passionate and driven uh, were kind of threaded throughout that. And the passionate piece when I was in corporate and doing marketing for corporate, I didn't have the passion. Uh, and that was something that really propelled my change into financial services. Fascinating career in that you saw back then that financial planning was kind of 
the out, but the in for you, um, that it clicked was great. Was there, you mentioned, you know, the not having a passion for marketing. Was there a defining moment, some decision or action, something that really significantly impacted the trajectory of your career that made you realize that, you know, you, you didn't have a passion for marketing? I mean, you're incredibly articulate, obviously very driven, all of the things that marketing needs, right? That creativity and seeing the other side and, and tying in and being connected with the emotional side of things. But was there something that really you went, oh, this just isn't for me? I do have a passion for marketing. I don't, didn't have a passion for corporate marketing and being in a corporation um, and especially the corporation that I, and I've worked in corporate environments, you know, three or four times. And, you know, it's just, it, it's, they're intensely political. You know, that just wasn't for me. And it's, some people are very good at navigating that landscape. I just didn't enjoy it. And um, the passionate part too, um, even though I um, felt passionate about helping people, I didn't feel passionate about selling wine. And I didn't, I was in a very male dominated um, Italian kind of, and I, this is not to, to say anything culturally insensitive, but culturally, you know, uh, women, I was the only senior marketing leader, female, and really in the whole organization. And um, it was a very uh, brutal environment, I would just say that. And, you know, I mean, I, boy, I could have sued many times over today. Uh, but, you know, it just, it was, you know, it's not worth it. It wasn't worth it for me. And that was kind of the defining moment. And, and I had a, a, a three-year-old and a, a one-year-old at the time, and I had to have a breast biopsy for uh, cancer, which I ultimately ended up getting later in my life. But my mother had cancer, my grandmother. And that was just like, you know, life's too short to do something that doesn't make you happy and doesn't fulfill you. And I love the, while I love the marketing challenge, I wanted to do something that gave me all three of those things that defined my career. I wanted to fulfill my passion. I can so relate. I came up through the world of technology and automotive, being the only woman in the room and, yeah. you know, walking into clients and them asking me to go get coffee. Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I hear you. And it's interesting. It's something that I still find a lot of women don't talk about. It's still something where it's an experience and, and difficult one. I mean, I can remember coming home and, and feeling completely deflated. And it's like, I can do more. I'm, I'm capable. I, I'm smart. I've, I, I know what I'm talking about and so frustrated. And you just, you didn't talk about it. We, and we're still not so much talking about it. It's one of the reasons that I, I started this podcast is because I want us to have an opportunity to talk about some of the hardship that we went through so people understand that it's not the same for women to come up it's, through the ranks and succeed. It's mm -hmm. infinitely harder, no matter how smart and brilliant and clever and creative even you are. Still, even still. Even still. Yeah. yeah. That's stunning to me. I never thought that, you know, 40 years after I started my career, we'd still be having... I know. <laughs> I know. It's <laughs> astonishing. But, you know, hey, it's, it's, I think at some point, Kathy, we'll write a book called The Onlys because there are uh, so many women who are the, still the only or just in a fractional minority. And it is, it's really tough. And there's that lightning in the bottle we talked about. That's, you know, where I think a lot of women have passion to help other women because they know how hard it has been.
Exactly. Yeah, you've got to raise each other up. All tides. I always get the um, idioms wrong. I grew up in Quebec, so I speak in <laughs> French and English, so I mix my idioms all the time. But you know, what is it? Uh, high tide raises all ships. Yep. We Rising tide to, raises all boats. Yep. Yeah. We need to get to that mentality. We, we need to be helping each other, even if it means that they're going to surpass us. I mean, that's my goal. Is, is oh, absolutely. Yes. You know, it's it's the abundance versus the scarcity mentality. Right. The more we help each other, the better off we'll all be. And sometimes women and, and research has shown that sometimes women and who are the particularly very male dominated businesses. And I studied leadership and taught leadership as part of my professorship. And, um, you know, that when you're in a you're in a minority group or, or token group defined as less than 20%. Sometimes in a particularly a male dominated culture, women sometimes take on the behavior and attitudes of the senior male leaders and it doesn't translate well for women. And so you can see some women sometimes that are suppressing and trying to put their thumb on their you know competition so that other women don't rise to the top to be their equals or possible rivals. And um, it really is really l- relatively late in my career where I found role models and women who were helping lift other women up. And that's really what we all need to embrace because when we do that, we all rise. So um, it's a great comment, Kathy. That is just a beautiful segue into what I really want to talk about, which which is how we connected, is you, again, I, I don't mind reiterating because you, you said it yourself, you're 70 years old, two years ago, coming out of a pandemic after an incredibly, well, starting to come out of a pandemic, after an incredibly successful career where anybody would have gone absolutely, um, you know, Mary, you absolutely could retire and go off and spend time with your grandkids and your family and, and take up, you know, more meditation and yoga and whatnot. But you chose to start a not-for-profit focused on helping women improve their financial security called Money Weave Academy. Now, anybody who's volunteered with a not-for-profit or started or helped start or anything like that knows this is not an easy feat. This is not something that you know, you wake up one morning, decide to do, and then it just happens. So tell us about Money Weave. Tell us about how it's going. You know, what are some of the the challenges and compromises you're making today in this role versus maybe some of the ones that you played, you know, had to deal with earlier on? Sure. Well, thanks for asking, uh, Kathy. And and so this is a passion project of mine. I'm an unpaid executive director, and I really strongly believe in uh, financial literacy. And uh, the vision of Money Weave Academy is basically to help women become more financially secure, economically secure. Um, and we're going to do that through trustworthy, objective, no sales job, financial education that inspires philanthropy, purposeful action, and sound decisions. And that's really what we're about. So we're about providing objective, trustworthy education because the financial services industry, as we've touched on a little bit, is very highly male-dominated. About 80% of financial advisors are male, uh, and about uh, 95% of senior leadership in financial services is male. And what that means is that 
the messages and the, the, edu- the so-called education uh, is uh, very product and transactionally based. Women are not transactional. We are, we are process driven. Uh, we are process queens and financial planning is a process. And we're also holistic thinkers. We think differently than do men. So research shows that we like to connect the dots and men are like problem solution. And we're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I got to look at these different options and see how they connect and then do some analysis and then derive my strategies and then I'm going to look at different tactics and then I'm going to implement and monitor. So oftentimes we'll take a longer time and a a more fully robust process to get to an end conclusion. But research also shows that women um, outperform men in uh, actually investing when they do their homework because we take our time to do our homework. And we're just a little bit afraid um, because with good reason, women have more life, life risks than do men. Not with good reason, women have more life risks. With good reason, we, sh- we should be a little bit insecure because we outlive, we under-earn, we become more single more often, we uh, become more disabled, uh, more likely to become disabled. We have all these you know, panoply of uh, of risks and financial lack of financial education is not a risk factor. We should add on to all the other risks that we face. Um, we really need to take hold of this. And nobody taught us this. And the research also shows that men were more likely to be taught financial education than women. And just and that just means that one out of three men were given ever offered financial education, but just one out of four. So, you know, women oftentimes either through um, lack of education or just from a cultural bias, uh, never really viewed financial literacy and knowledge and taking control of our finances as something that was in our realm. And it absolutely is and must be uh, because when we take control of our finances, we take care of ourselves, our family, our communities. There's a multiplier effect that goes on with women when we become educated. And research shows that when women become educated, doesn't I don't care what it is, what we're educated in. But when we do, then there's a multiplier effect. Our whole, as you said, a rising tide lifts all boats. And so that's really my passion. You know, women are much more likely to be impoverished than our men at all ages, virtually all demographic groups. And in the United States, three out of four Americans living in poverty over 65 are female. This is something we can do something about. And uh, we can't maybe address all the other factors, but this is something that we can change. So that's what propels me, excites me about Money Weave Academy. And and we're looking to grow a movement. So I I hope your listeners will think about joining us. Uh, We are growing. we're, We're now into our third year. Um, we are, uh, it is harder than I imagined, uh, but uh, there's so much passion for this. Uh, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. That is absolutely brilliant. I am excited to start to become a part of this movement. You know, I am a, I'm a, I'm a a girl mom and and a boy mom. And I have made a pointed effort to make sure that both my children understand finances and what it means and the impact and decision. Mm -hmm. And I I thank my dad for that because while he was an electrical engineer, he should have been an accountant because he was Mm -hmm. all about, you know, the balancing of the books and right down to the, the pennies and whatnot and was super fiscally conservative. And through that, I learned to save and I learned to invest in myself and plan for the future. I am forever grateful. And I've pass that on to to my kids and I gotta say my daughter is like just 
she's coming out of undergrad with like savings, which is awesome. crazy. <laughs> that's it's never too early. Yeah. It's never so too I, early. And the earlier you start, the better it is. So that's exactly. Wonderful. So I look at that and I'm like, okay, I did one thing right. <laughs> I'm sure you did more than one thing right, but that's a big thing. That is a yeah, big I'm gonna thing. I'm going to take that one. I'm going to take that for the win. Take so, that for the win. If, if you weren't in the financial services space in an in a alternate universe where, you know, you don't have to worry about money or, you know, feeding your kids or keeping a house, uh, head, a roof over your head, what would you be? Do you have an alter ego? I do. You know, if, if money were no object and didn't have the other balls that we juggle, I would just love to be a yoga instructor and a yogi. <laughs> Uh, I, I just love the meditative aspect of yoga and the practice of yoga, along with the physical blending, the physical, you know, the holistic aspect of yoga practice. And uh, for me, it would just, it just takes me to another place. And uh, I, I feel completely together when I practice yoga. So that would be my dream. I, I do think that um, we are, uh, it's, it's been said to me that I, this saying I really love, and, and it's not that we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I really have pondered that a lot and, and, and think that there's a lot of truth in that. And, and yoga is a place where I, I can kind of knit everything together. Funny that you use that quote. I was just, I've come across that quote three times in the last week. Oh, wow. Reading articles and listening to podcasts. And now you're the fourth. So oh, there's something there. <laughs> clearly, clearly the world is trying to tell me something. I'm not really sure what that is, but I'm going to dig into that. You just got to listen and listen and listen, right? Yeah. So Mary, this has just been wonderful. And I am, I am, like I said, I am so excited to be joining the journey and, and helping you bring this, this amazing awareness and knowledge and, and level setting and, and another step in equity to women in the financial realm. And I can't wait to see what our journey uh, brings us. For our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice on life, career, success, happiness, really anything that you'd like to share? Well, I, I would just encourage all the women in our audience to take hold of your financial health and to be a sponge, just to realize that this is something you can and should do and don't feel guilty or shame about it. Just recognize it's a journey and it's a journey for all of us. And so um, a lot of us sometimes think, oh, I'm not good at math or oh, finances, oh, boring. And so uh, we're, we're just trying to make it more engaging and at Money Weave Academy more engaging and accessible and female friendly, but is to take hold of your finances. Uh, it's never too late and it's never too early. And it's something that together we can all do because when you have that uh, kind of that, not only the intellectual uh, uh, wealth, the financial wealth, but it also affects your spiritual and mental uh, well-being. So uh, I, that would be my one piece of advice is that you can and, and should do this. And there's lots of information and resources to help you along the way. You're here. That is just excellent advice. And I love that it's that you say it's never too late or never too early. Um, because again, I think a lot of times, not just women, but men as well, we get to a certain point in our careers or lives and go, oh, 
it's too late to change that. I can't, I can't do this or I can't do that. Or I, oh, I should have done it, you know, a decade ago or tw- two decades ago. And what's the impact going to be now? And I, that's such an important message to know that it, it's okay. Today is a new day and you can start today. And it's, you're now one day ahead of where you were yesterday. So it's absolutely never too late to start. Amen to that. Thank you so much. I have loved this conversation. Uh, where can our audience find you? I will be sure to include all of the links and whatnot for the not-for-profit and, and include that. Are you speaking anywhere? Do you have any, any publications coming up? Well, we're always, find us on Money Weave. Again, it's just like to weave together money, moneyweave.org. That's our website. So you can see what we're doing. We have a full range of podcasts and blogs, and we'll be posting uh, 10 classes pretty soon here. We're just trying to get the technology bugs out, uh, but all sorts of resources that are friendly to women. Check out the calculators. Boy, do some of those calculators. They are revealing and they're easy to go through and they're kind of fun just to see kind of like where am I and uh, and then we are uh, doing all kinds of exciting things at moneyweave.com so I mean moneyweave.org excuse me moneyweave.org so just keep an eye out um, and if you're so inclined and you want to join our movement feel free to either uh, email uh, me uh, you can reach me through info at moneyweave.org or if you'd like to donate, of course, I wouldn't, I'd be remiss if I didn't have the ask at the end. Uh, but feel free to be part of our movement. And you can also check me out at Mary, Mary Quist Newens at uh, LinkedIn. You can private message me there too. So I'd love to learn more about your journey and uh, to have you grow as part of our own movement to help women become more financially secure through trustworthy education. Fantastic. I am absolutely, I've already started to dig into uh, to some of the courses myself. So, um, and the, and truly the calculators are amazing. Um, they're so good. They're so good. They're so really good. Mary, thank you so much for today's conversation. Thanks. It has been wonderful. I now know how to connect Scandinavian studies to <laughs> financial prowess, which, you know, it's a well, Monday morning. So I figure that that's a win. That is a win. Uh, To my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mary and hearing about how following your passion brings joy and success. And when you think about all aspects of your life, success will follow and it's never too late to start something new. If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from other amazing women, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net and listen to some of the other episodes. You can also sign up to our email list as well as check out the links and resources in the show notes. And absolutely click on the link in the profile and give a donation, sponsor this program because it is so needed. Thanks for listening. And until next time, enjoy the journey. 